Hi everyone, I've got with me Paul Purden, one of the owners and founders of Place, an amazing attraction business in Brisbane. And today he's going to share with us for 20 minutes some of the thought processes, attitudes, skills of the best agents in the country. Welcome. Good to see you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Now, we had a nice session this morning. And um, your team looked pumped, energised. Um, there's a culture and DNA of this place that is all about results and running an attraction business. Tell the viewers out there, there's about 14,000 agents out there that watch these weekly videos, what is Place and how does Paul Curtin fit into Place? Yeah, good. Uh, uh, look, Place is a, uh, it's a real estate business. It's primarily there for the sale of, uh, of uh, I guess, um, you know, mums and dads' houses. It's an everyday brand, um, but we have other divisions like our property management, our projects, our finance divisions, um, which we enjoy those, uh, those extra platforms. Um, we have, uh, we have 13 offices, Tom, um, of which we own and operate uh, four of those, which are retail fronts, uh, plus our projects, plus our property management. Um, we have partners in, uh, in our finance business, um, and then we have uh, seven running under, under franchise. Predominantly southeast Queensland, um, a couple on the coast, and, uh, and then the predominantly in that, that greater Brisbane network. When was the place formed? 2002. Okay, um, and you were a salesperson for how long before 2002? When did you get into real estate? So I got in 1997, so yeah. my business partners today is Damien Hackett, uh, Sarah Bushell and Judy Goodyear. Yeah. Uh, Sarah and I joined Damien Hackett in 1997 as uh, 19-, 20-year-old salespeople. Yeah. Um, we chipped away, for, I guess, for those first two or three years, had some, some good success in the PRD group, and uh, there was, a, I guess, a synergy and an alignment between Damien, Sarah and myself, and we sat down, I guess, probably in 2000, 2001, started writing a blueprint for how we perhaps saw real estate evolving um, and some paradigm shifts that were perhaps coming, and uh, we joined forces and created place, and, and I guess that growth that, that we spoke about earlier is what's come of that. Jude joined us in about uh, 2008, which has been a great, great addition to our to our business. Were you a good salesman? Oh, look, I, I mean, I think Sarah and I um, uh, was really we were, we were fierce competitors, but we were best of friends as well. And uh, I mean, you know, if I look back on the numbers, I think in our, our final year in the PRD group where we were. Um, you know, fee riders where our, our performance was tracked, we both wrote a million dollars in fees, and that right. put us in the top two or three agents nationally with PRD at the time. Um, okay, yeah. So, um, and writing a million bucks then was harder than a million bucks now because prices have gone up, commissions have gone up, it's a more common thing. So, that was a good effort. Uh, Paul, because most of the people that watch these videos are salespeople sure. that are writing around 300,000, yeah. 400,000. And they're sitting there and they want to go to the next level. What are some of the characteristics and behaviours you've noticed about people now that you're an owner mm. and you have a helicopter view? Mm. What are some of the characteristics of top $1 million writers? You know, it's interesting, Tom, because um, I spoke at a conference last week where I was asked the question, do you still sell? And absolutely, I still sell. I, I still list and sell real estate. But I think in, in you use that word umbrella view, um, you know the way that I sell is is in in many facets. Be it to my salespeople, be it to owners, be it to the industry, to people like yourself. And I love that. I love that cross section. But I think if you you know you fundamentally come in and had a level of success in real estate, it's because you were good in sales. And a lot of what I talk to my team about, and I run our Belimba office in conjunction with my other place responsibilities. And I do enjoy training. I do get. I do enjoy getting up in front of my team. Um, you know, demonstrating how I believe. Uh, you know, it can be done to be successful. And 
Now, if I look at even that first 12 months when I was 19 in 1997 and uh, people like Damien uh, and other mentors and trainers that I was exposed to in those days, you know, what they spoke about you know, 14, 15, 16 years ago is, I think, fundamentally not much different than what we talk about today. Yes, there's refinement. Yes, our industry has had two or three paradigm shifts in the way we use technology and, and, and just it's, a, it's, a, it's a such an exciting business to be part of. But if we come back to the base principle and you know the language that you used this morning at our training session was just so accurate it's that forward of the line activity versus the behind the line you know the forward of the line is that that fun part of our industry when we've got the listing when we've got the marketing when we're going to auction but it's those behind the line activities that not everyone's prepared to do um, it's the part that makes our, our industry if it has a level of challenge is what makes it um, you know challenging I think that's where the dropout factor is so and when I'm talking to any of my salespeople, whether they're new to the industry, whether they're less than 200,000, less than 500,000, a, a top fee rider who's, who's, who's been on a holiday and has, a, has some you know, low stock levels, it all comes back to those base fundamentals, that before-the-line activity. And again, I go back to even that first month, six months of my own career. You know, uh, I remember at that stage that the business we worked for, we had one for rent sign in, uh, in, in, in the suburb, and that was my patch. And, and I had to go out there and try and create a market share. Now, you know, it's a pretty simple philosophy, isn't it? The only way you're going to do that is by seeing the people. Um, and I guess you can connect with the people in probably seven or eight different ways. And I don't think in 16-odd years that's ever changed. You know, be it picking up the phone, being it sending a letter, be it personal marketing, um, you know, having, having just regular contact with, with the marketplace. And I know we, we've made it a more sophisticated environment today, but the base fundamentals do not change. And... Now, I look at guys come into the industry, um, you know, two people could start, both likeable people, both great attitudes, both full of energy. One succeeds, one doesn't. And the reason one succeeds is because they were prepared for a good couple of years to work on those base fundamentals of just doing some hard work. And, you know, I've got some top behaviours that I, that I focus on, uh, that I've, I've, I've personally demonstrated, um, that I still believe in today and I guess I train on. And the number one behaviour for me is physically hours in the field, like actually doing work, and you can't avoid that. You can't get away from it. Okay, so um, that's gold. Press the pause button, reflect on it. You're listening to a guy that wrote a million bucks. You're listening to a guy that runs an incredible business now in Brisbane, and he's basically said it hasn't changed. It all starts with a conversation. It all starts with an interaction, and the more of those that you're doing... Um, the bigger the chance you're going to succeed faster and you can't get away from that issue. You've got to do the work, don't you, Paul? You've got to do the work. I think if there's one thing that has changed and it's a good change, it's that the, the old way of real estate, which was there's a desk, there's a phone, there's the yellow or the white pages, you know, get on and start, mate. I, I think that has changed. Our organisation uh, hasn't operated like that really since its, uh, its inception. And what I mean, Tom, is that I think... Um, if you bring someone talented into your industry and you throw them out to the to sort of the masses, I think you are setting that person up for failure. Right. Amazing people will, will fight through that and become successful, but um, I think talented people can become jaded too soon. So for me, if I look at some of the, the, the successful people in our group, they're people that we've put amazing training into, amazing mentoring into, and importantly, we've partnered them up or put them with someone who is doing well, someone who's walked their walk, and they can be part of it. My number one word for real estate agents, be it whether they're new, whether they're a rising star trying to get to that next level, or whether they're established, is leverage. 
right. and when agents can really understand that the, 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 the secret for success in this business is, is leverage, then I think the light just turns on and shines bright. Now, your industry or, or, or our industry, which is, which is you know, newspapers and print media, uh, that's the number one way of getting leverage. You put, you put ads in the paper, you'll get more people through open houses, you'll get more calls, you'll have a better success rate uh, with your sales and the amount of people you will have to follow up through natural attrition of that will, will be high. But if you bring it back to those, you know, those newer performers or those sub-500s or sub-300s, I accept that some of those people don't have the profile at this stage in their career in the paper. So their leverage needs to be focused around, again, some of those things I spoke about earlier, the real core basics of calling the neighbours, walking the streets, introducing themselves, you know, going and talking to local business owners about their new listing, stuff that the, 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 the man on the street can identify that Tom Panos, the agent, is busy, and because they're not seeing him in the paper yet, they can see that he's growing up the curve, and that's how you get business. If you're new to the industry, Tom, you go up to, I reckon, 10 top performers who are stressed out of their head, you know, they've got more than they can, can, can look after, and say, hey, can I make a dozen calls around your listings? I reckon 10 out of 10 will say yes. You know, you share the spoils. Give people an opportunity. Okay, so again, golden moments there. I think you've got a really good way of dumbing down a subject and making it very easy for people to understand. And Paul, you've summed it up when you've said that you've got a new group of younger agents coming in and they want to start getting the business like the more experienced attraction agents. They don't want to do the stuff that needs to get them to get listings and then they've got marketing and then they can actually have momentum and spin off that. What they want to do is actually get to that without doing the work. What you're saying is in the early stages of your career, you will be doing prospecting, you will be networking, you'll be meeting people and that one day your model will change in business and that what will happen is you'll have brand and you'll have open houses and you'll have big ads and people will start calling you in. Absolutely. I mean, you made the comment earlier that success is one of the roads to failure yeah. and, uh, and you gave us your own personal example. And, you know, I see that so often with real estate agents that, that are naturally talented. You know, they, they, they do get some wind in their sails early. They rise the ranks and, and we're part of that um, we're probably part of the, the, the problem in many ways because we're, we're acknowledging them and we're building them up and we're putting them on the stage and there's nothing wrong with doing that but I think it is a, a natural phenomenon. It's, it's perhaps unavoidable for some agents that once they get that early rise, there's a feeling that it will just occur. But I really believe as a real estate agent, whilst you can create success for in, in, a, in a couple of years, I think it's more like a, a four, five, six-year sort of journey before you really have deep established roots into your into your business community. I mean, we've all seen someone come in for five minutes. They think, Gee, where's this guy come from? They've got signs everywhere, and then all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah. You know, so as quickly as they came, they went. Maybe that's their sort of personality. Yeah. But you know, you look at those agents that have been in the market for five, ten years, and if they really start re-communicating with their, their database and the people that they've done business with, it's massive. You know, it's interesting how we talk about our volume of sale. Like if an agent does... Uh, $500,000 in fees, if you're getting 2.5%, that would be like doing $20 million in sales. Um, if you do that over five years, that's that's $100 million worth of clients. But I actually think it's $2 million worth of clients, uh, $200 million worth of right. clients, because for every deal, there's a there's a buyer and a seller. So essentially, the, the deal is, is yeah. valued. So from a database point of view, or a real estate bank point of view, yeah. it's doubled. And, uh, and we spend so much time 
going out there and trying to make contact with people that we've never met before, yeah. where we've got all of these people that we've actually done business with. Yeah. And uh, you, know, you can go to every trainer, every coach, you can listen to them all, all and they will all have a similar you know, train of thought of those basic fundamentals that we need to do as agents. But again, I think you summarised it beautifully uh, earlier. Um, it comes from within. You know, yeah. You've got to have the, the belief. You've got to be the person that says, I want to make a difference in in my life, whatever that motivation is, whether it's to pay the bills, whether it's to buy a house, whether it's to get a nice car, a nice one, it doesn't matter what the motivation is, but yeah. if you want to get there, it's got to ultimately come from within. So, uh, Paul, one of the things we talk about is that um, in real estate training, you can show someone what to do, you can show them how to do it, and that's the easy bit. Mm. It's the wanting to do it. Correct. Are people born that way? When you look at your salespeople that are successful and they've got a big why, a big want, mm. are they born that way or do they somewhere along the way become hungry? What's your view? Yeah, look, personality. I mean, as I've got older and, and, and you see clients that you, you know, you dealt with when you were 20 and now that you're closer to 40 and they're sort of, you know, going through life challenges, be it, you know, death, divorce, whatever, you, you certainly look at life more globally than you ever have and that why question does, does come up. I think there's no question there's a percentage of people that are, that are born on this planet to be what they are, whether they're a doctor, a lawyer, or a real estate sort of salesperson. But I think we've, we've also seen um, inside our group maybe some, some agents that, are, that were less stereotypical. They, were, they, they weren't your cliche person who was going to go through and be a flying salesperson, but because they're good human beings, and I think that's the number one you know, test. If you're a good human being, you can go out there and... And, and do good in the community and you do put one foot in front of the other, you can be successful in this business. Maybe those people won't be million dollar fee riders, but you know what? You write four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in this industry and you take on average half the spoils, give me five jobs where you can go and get that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, Paul, databasing to you. What's what what's databasing mean to you? And what's being a good database agent mean to you? Yeah, look, we're like all businesses where we, 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 you know, we have our CRM program and we put lots of hours into refining it and we have our database champion and um, you know, it's, a, it's an important part of, of what we do. And you know, I guess, again, there's not a conference you don't go to at the moment where someone will refer to, in the future, we won't have access to, to data because of you know, privacy rules. So, so it's so important that as, as businesses and as agents that we are capturing as much data as we can on every given day because they're the people by law that probably in the future will be able to, able to contact. I think then how an agent chooses to use their database and obviously the, the, the E side of that where we send out e-newsletters that might have this lead alert sort of tracking and you know that says you know such and such has opened your email two or three times but how we use that so that it's impactful with our, our, our potential clients or our current clients without annoying them is also part of the balance. Right. Um, but I think one thing, and again, come back to base fundamentals. So with the the technology emergence that we've had, which does make real estate a more exciting, a more, you know, everything than, than perhaps it was back in 1997. Like when I sat at my desk in 1997, it was the old Telstra Brown, you know, big right. heavy commander phone, you know, like doing bicep curls. And there was no, you know, computer on the desk. There was one shared computer with like disks for data. And so to think about in such a really short period of time, where that's gone, but again, come back to base fundamentals. If I go to uh, uh, you know my PA or an agent support person and say, "Hey, can you just print me out in an Excel spreadsheet the last year's transactions that we've done as a business, like and 
talk about clean data, the trust account data is clean data, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, every bit of data that goes in the trust account is, is all perfect. And as a principal even, I get that clean data and I sit there with a phone and I just start ringing those people and saying, hey, thanks for doing business with Place. How did uh, such and such look after you? I could do that as a business owner. Um, you bring that back down as, a, as an individual agent. You go and print off your last three or four years of sales. Just That's all you do purely from, from that clean data. And if that was all you did, is that going to make a difference? Absolutely. You know? So, we, so we, do, we do try and get involved in these things that, 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 that autopilot us and, and make our business um, you know, a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, you know, auto than maybe once was. And I think those, those are great tools, but never gets away from those core fundamentals of let's just ring someone. Let's just okay. ring someone. So if you're a little bit confused about what to do at the end of this video, I think Paul's giving us a good tip or a thing to do this today, and that is just contact everyone that's bought a house off you in the last three or four years and uh, make a call. Don't expect that you're going to list them. Make it a call. It's a relationship call. Um, that's step number one. I think that beats going out and knocking on some cold door yeah, knocking. Absolutely. And you know the script? I mean, I'm a wordy person. I mean, I probably say less today than I did when I was 19 because you're trying to play catch-up. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm someone that likes to talk and use my hands. But, you know, when I ring someone that I haven't spoken to for some time... I really think less is more, less is more in that situation. Right. You know, Tom, Paul Curtin, how are you? Do you know it's 18 months since you bought that property? Um, I know we haven't spoken, but I just thought it was an overdue time to give you a call and just to give you a bit of an update on things that are happening out there. How have you been? Like, it's really simple. I mean, it would take a pretty extreme person to say, hey, Tom, I really, you know, I don't want you on my phone. I can't believe you haven't run me in 18 months. So I, I'd say out of 100 people, no one would do that. You know? So, Paul... We don't need a script writer. We don't need a script writer. I mean, this is just, you know, this is actually just more doing and less preparing and less thinking about it. Just actually do the call. Make the call. If there's a change, again, like I think you go back to early 2000s training courses, you know, around the country, it was very script-centric. So we were coming from this sort of old language of real estate to this new language, and it was this, you know, go out there and use these sophisticated scripts. But, you know, for me, as quickly as they came in and, and, and had some merit... They've almost gone back out, Tom. Yeah. And 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 perhaps whether it's a post GFC thing or whether it's just the the 2010 onwards, people like dealing with genuine people. Yeah. You know, be yourself, validate yourself, just talk talk normally. Doesn't mean you can't add flair. Doesn't mean you can't show your salesmanship. All of those things, but it's got to be like a, a it's you know it's like a mixing bowl of, of your, your your talents and and that's where I've always said like if you talk about a cliche as a as an agent. Uh, we have to think of ourselves as someone that does have a tool belt of ideas on. Yeah. And the way we approach different situations um, is, I think, what determines ultimately how successful we're going to be. And, and, and that example of you know, maybe ringing someone that you haven't spoken to for a couple of years, it's, it's about getting the tempo right and letting them engage you. Yeah, okay. So um, authenticity, uh, don't come across as being a, a scripted robot. Uh, be a human being, um, just having contact is 90% of the battle and what actually comes out of your mouth is probably uh, not that important. Paul, I want to ask you, if you were meeting Paul Curtin in 97 for his first day in real estate, what would Paul Curtin today say to Paul Curtin in 1997? What three pieces of advice would you give Paul Curtin back in 97? Put some weight on, um, get a good suit, 
<laughs> what about that car you're driving? <laughs> um, look, it's interesting. Um, if I reflect on the Paul Curtin in 1997, the one thing that I would find very diff- difficult to re- replicate today, you know, sort of coming on 20 years since then, is the raw energy and enthusiasm that you have back in that time. And that shouldn't be something that's underestimated. I remember my first two sales uh, were two bits of stock that had been sitting on the office books for like a year. They were sort of friends of, of Damien's and maybe he deemed them unsellable. Um, and, I, you know, from rough memory, I had them sold within four or eight weeks purely because I probably rewrote the ad, took some fresh photos, stuck them in the old window or whatever we used to do, and, you know, it was all pretty basic. But I would have, you know, maybe I put a classified in the paper and threw an open right. house and, and they sell. So the reason those properties sold wasn't because of skills and ability. It was just energy and enthusiasm. So, um, you know, again, I look back and, and I'm, I'm so fortunate that I went into a real estate office at the time, albeit it was a small scale, that did have good leadership, did right. have good mentoring, did give me an exposure to training. Um, you know, Damien, who was the leader at the time, he did do ads in the paper. So he, he probably ticked off those four or five things if you wanted a leader to demonstrate today, yeah. albeit on a sort of different scale, he demonstrated so you So you were in... The- a good position. You, you you fell into an environment that was a good environment. A good environment. And look, I, I'm the youngest of five boys. I've got two sisters as well, but being the youngest of five boys, and I had four brothers going off into commercial real estate jobs and suits, I had a point to prove, you know. So in the early days, there was a, an element of, of trying to, to, to prove yourself. And I think once you have a level of success, you know, your, your motivation changes. You, you're doing it for lots of different reasons, you know. Are you still pumped? Are you still motivated? Well, that's that's a really good point. And, uh, and, I, and I was going to answer that earlier because... You see, I mean, I have two children, I'm married, you know, again, I made some comments about your clients or, you know, being one of seven children, you have your ups and downs in your family, and life throws up more challenges today than I can ever remember. And I think that's in part because you have more responsibility and you've been on the planet longer. So there's days when you're at your desk where you, um, you're there in person, but really in mind you're, you're somewhere else. But, I, I, you know, I, I, as, a, as a leader in real estate, and when I use that word leader, that doesn't mean just as a real estate owner or principal, that could be as a as a high salesperson who's you know performing salesperson who's who's responsible for a number of clients. You know, it's the day that you you don't feel like doing it where you have to really put on your coat of armour and say, okay, I've got to act today. I've got to I've got to bang it on for the day, um, and uh, and then hopefully the next day you know things get back to normal. So in that regard, you are challenged more than you you've ever been challenged. But um, I get as much enjoyment out of real estate today that I did back in 1997, 1998, but it's different. I think because I've had a, a level of, of personal success and achieved some things, I can genuinely say that you know, I'll always have an ego because I'm that sort of person, but my ego and the, say, acknowledgement for myself is very secondary now to seeing my people or our people receive that. So you know, nothing... Uh, excites me more than when you see your team up there receiving awards or, or, or talking at a conference or being acknowledged in the industry, and particularly if you've been part of that success. And again, if they've come from you know a background of, 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 of being financial troubles or family troubles, and you've seen real estate and their relationship with real estate is perhaps our business has helped them get to where they're getting. That's sort of where you get the pump is, up. Is, is that Paul? Is that a, is that a, a challenge if you're a person that? And we've all got egos. Yeah. If you're a person that's ego, that's been a solo operator, that's been a good person, that's operated as a as a sales producer, that all of a sudden you're not the person up on the stage. You're not the hero. You you are not 
um, Sonny Bill Williams anymore because you're behind the scenes making people feel terrific about themselves building a world-class business. Mm. Is that a difficult thing, the transition to make? I think that's a that's a person-to-person thing, but you know, I think maybe um, if I can answer it in a slightly different way, I do think what happens sometimes when a when a salesperson isn't in complete control of their their destiny, uh, i.e., they might have got involved in business ownership. When things don't start going the way that they thought it would go, it's very easy to start playing the blame game. You know, start sort of pointing fingers at other. And I've been guilty of that. Like I know in my early days, we had some real challenges in our business, and you're looking around for others to blame. But what you realise really quickly is that, hang on, you're the man in charge, or you're in charge with others. You're the only person that can that can sort this out. So you you know, you've got to get over that emotion pretty quickly, and you've got to realise that it is it is it is through your leadership. It's it's more about your team and less about you because that's the role that you've chosen. And if you want it to be all about you, and you want it about it to be all about winning personal awards, and that's fine. But that's where probably being a salesperson is is where you should start. Right. You know, and I think, hey, people shouldn't underestimate being a top producing salesperson is one of the great luxuries in this country. You know, again, you write 300, 400, 500, 600, and some of those agents that write one million, one and a half, the sort of office that you've got to run to replicate that income and the challenges that come with it and the human human resource that comes with it, you're taking on a big journey, you know? So I'm really, I'm yeah. really hoping people sort of mentally brain tattoo that comment because, Paul, I have a lot of people that make um, right 500 in GCI, yeah. so they're making roughly half of it. Yeah. And they can't help but think to themselves, um, I'm giving away 250 grand here. That should be mine. Um, I shouldn't be splitting it because it's um, all about me. And they think, in fact, I'd have a few more properties under management. I could be making seven, eight hundred thousand dollars plus. I'll be able to call myself an owner. So I've got bragging rights in social situations. And what actually happens, Paul, is they get caught up and they. St- get into business and they start filling out tax returns and insurance forms and they start having staff issues and one day they look in the computer and it reflects back and they think, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up because I was a really good salesperson but I'm actually not talking to vendors or buyers anymore. And that seems to happen around Australia. So you do believe that certain people shouldn't be business owners? Well, I think everyone's got to make that call but... You know, if you ask to vote on certain people, you might have your you might have your view. And I think that again, people like myself and other other you know leaders in the real estate community, be it franchises or, or bigger independent groups, we have a level of responsibility, probably not to prey on the emotions of some of those people, just to fill a void or fill an office that looks good on our yeah. corporate dossier. That hey, we've now got another office because sometimes you're setting up those people for disaster, yeah. and it's pretty easy to lose a million dollars out the back door in a real estate office. Yeah. And that could be someone's someone's wealth. So. Now look, I think the individual's got to got to got to choose. But if if again, it's if if you enjoy um, the, the, the personal acknowledgement and you enjoy it being all about you, and you don't feel like you want to sort of manage people, then that's probably a warning sign. Hey, stick with what I'm doing. But if you love that interface of, uh, and we need more leaders in the in the industry, we need more good people opening offices because people want to work for those people as well. So if you if you feel you are a leader of people and you can, you know have a fair bit of weight on your shoulders and, and you want to deal with all the things that, that sort of a, owning a real estate office kicks up and you know if you're in doubt of what that is give me a call and come and have a coffee and I'll enlighten you within 30 minutes and if you walk away from that conversation and say hey that's what I'm looking for well then we need you to do that yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's just what you want to do well I've got to say Paul um, it's been I've had a, a, a 
a long-term relationship. I think, in fact, with you guys, one of my first uh, times that I spoke was at your conference, you know, many, many years ago. And I've seen where we talk about people that have got spur of the moment, good year, bad year. You guys have been sustainable, long-term, a business driven on process, not so much on, you know, just relying on energy to get you through. Um, I want to thank you. Um, for your 20 minutes, 25 minutes today, one piece of advice, final advice that you'd give to a viewer, um, biggest tip that you'll give them. Yeah, I, I think, thanks Tom, thank you. It's been good to have a chat. Um, my, my final bit of advice would be probably where we started today's interview, that, that you know, if you look at your business right now in, in September, October, uh, which is arguably the busiest period of the year, whether you're, whether you're sailing high, whether you're, you know, you're building up the ranks or, or whether you're starting is is that word leverage. Look around you in your market, look around you within your office and say, where can I get some leverage out in the marketplace to go and make contact with people that are half aware of who we are or who I could be? And then it just becomes a volumetric base of the more contact that I have with the market, the more likely I am to to get involved. Um, And if you're in a good environment, you should have some people around you that can, can assist you in communicating at an effective level. Paul Curter, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Beautiful.